Welcome back, OTRs. In today's Cutting Edge episode, we're going to delve into the economic comparison between two systemic antimicrobial therapies um, for treatment of metritis in dairy cows. Uh, this really interesting study is going to come out of Florida. It was actually done as a retrospective analysis of an original study that was published in 2014. The original research was done at a Florida dairy, um, 2012 to 2013, um, by Lima. Um, you're going to have to excuse me. I'm not a great last name pronouncer, but Variera, Snodgrass, DeVries, and Santos. And what this study did was it kind of looked retrospectively at the data that was done to look at the therapeutic effect of these antimicrobials. But what they did is they used that data to then analyze the economic impact of these different therapies. And their objective was to first determine the cost of metritis for these two therapies, including using a herd budget that includes costs associated with incidence of concurrent disease, milk production, and reproductive losses, as well as removal from the herd. And then secondarily, they wanted to apply some sensitivity analysis to determine the cost in different economic scenarios. So basically, they're looking at what would the impact of these treatments be if feed price differed, if labor price differed, drug price differed, and if milk price differed. So the objective was basically looking at the economic impacts of the treatments and then using some sensitivity analysis to look at what those would look like in different economic planes. So their hypothesis was that metritis is costly and that the choice of antimicrobial th therapy would not influence the cost of disease despite the differences in price and milk withhold for these two therapies. So stay tuned OTRs as we delve deeper in this article and give you good insight that you can use with your clients on a day-to-day -day basis when you're looking at my antimicrobial intervention for metritis on your dairies. So the real challenge is, how do veterinarians like us, who don't have the time, resources, or financial backing of a multi-million dollar company, who are faced with irregular work schedules, on calls, and emergencies, how can we facilitate our own personal and professional growth so we can continue to offer superior service to our clients while still remaining competitive in today's market? That is the challenge, and this podcast will provide you the roadmap to its solution. I'm your host, Dr. Eric, and welcome to Operators to Owners. Welcome back, everyone. Now, the official title for this research article was titled Economic Comparison of Systemic Antimicrobial Ther Therapies for Metritis in Dairy Cows. And again, it was published by Lima, Verera, Snodgrass, DeVries, and Santos. And just to review, again, to touch on the objective of the study, it was basically to look at the cost of metritis for two antimicrobial th therapy treatments using herd budget, including costs associated with concurrent disease, milk production, reproductive losses, and removal from the herd. And then to secondarily, look at the effect or use a sensitivity analysis to look at the effect of different economic scenarios and how this would impact this comparison. So what this study did is it was comparing um, an ampicillin treatment regimen for metritis, a five-day treatment regimen for metritis, versus a five-day um, ceftiafir treatment regimen. And they compared those two treatment groups to a non-metritis group or a baseline control group. 
So before we get further into the study design, let's just go into some of the interesting background information that the author chose to share with us in the introduction of this research article. So the first thing that they talked about a little bit was um, that when you select an antimicrobial treatment, the potential benefit to a zero milk withhold um, of that particular antibiotic treatment is not only the included or increased income of not dumping that milk, but there's also a significant benefit in previous studies showing that that animal doesn't enter the hospital pen, which in turn helps minimize the risk of them contracting other diseases associated with being in the population of the hospital pen. So again, that's something that will come back around as we talk about our thoughts at the end of the article, but a very important point that they shared using multiple different articles as citations for that. Another thing that they wanted to share is that only 33% of dairies currently in the United States feed hospital milk to calves. And this was according to data published by the USDA in 2012. And then also, the other thing that they wanted to talk about is that it has been reported and specifically being reported by Bartlett in 1986 and Mahaney in 2015 that the risk of removal from the herd due to death and culling will not differ between cows with and without metrius, which is quite interesting and might not be a fact that a lot of listeners are going to know. But there is no difference statistically that they find in these studies related to the direct incidence of metritis and overall culling from the herd. Now, moving on from there, Overton and Fetro in 20, 2008 excuse me, found that the average cost of a case of metritis treated with ampicillin was $329 when the milk was salvaged to feed calves and $386 when the milk was discarded. And this was in comparison to an average case cost of $358 for cows treated with septiofere. So these are interesting numbers to keep in mind as we go through this study and we can compare these previous studies to the data that was found in this study to look for more relevance and give a little bit more power to the overall findings at the end. Another just interesting fact that I want to share with you guys is that Mickart um, in 2015 found that metrius actually accounts for about 33% of the entire cost of hyperketonemia. So basically our, our ketotic cows, um, 33% of that overall cost is associated with metritis. Now, the last little fact that I wanted to include before I go over some basic statistics reminders for you guys is that, again, this study is based on a previous study. And that previous study was, was published by Lima, 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 probably Lima, in 2014. And what they found there was that ampicillin cows had a 10% greater cure rate by day five after treatment start and a 10% or excuse me, a 9% greater cure rate at day seven after treatment had begun. But by day 12 in that previous study where they compared ampicillin and ceftiafir treatments for metritis, these treatment cure rates were the same. And they were roughly about an 80% cure rate at that point. So what they found in this previous study was that ampicillin caused cows to cure faster, but that both of those drug treatments actually had a cumulative cure rate that was the same by day 12 after treatment began. So that's going to form a little bit of the baseline of some of the thoughts we're going to talk about a little bit later based on the research findings in this article. The last thing I wanted to do with you guys is just give you a little bit, basic, a little bit of a basic stats reminder. Now, this study is really complicated just due to the nature of overall metritis. 
um, metritis has a large statistical or large confidence interval when you're looking at um, overall treatment cost per individual case. And it's for this reason I want to remind um, you, the listeners, that the p-values in research um, to be statistically significant need to be less than or equal to 0.05. Now, in this study, they found many more tendencies than actual statistical significances. And for that reason, I wanted to remind you that a tendency, at least defined in this particular article um, for the reader, was a p-value that was greater than 0.05, but less than or equal to 0.1. So that just means that they were able to say a couple times in this article that there was a tendency towards something, but not a statistical significance. And that's going to be really important as we continue on through this article. Again, being driven by the nature of overall metritis and the costs associated with disease, there are many more tendencies in this research article. So let's dive a little deeper into this article. So again, this is more of a retrospective study. So they're using that data from that previous study, um, and they're looking back at it using financial modeling, okay? So the original trial was done October 2012 to October, or to January 2013, excuse me. And what they did is they located this study on a 5,300-cow lactating dairy cow farm in Florida with a 24,200-pound annual average for production. The farm was a freestyle-based dairy with sprinklers, cooling fans, and a basic TMR. And they, again, they had three groups. So they had a group number one, which was basically no metritis or no met, they called it which was a control group. They didn't experience any metritis symptoms. They were basically just followed through the entire trial uh, and there was no metritis intervention for them. Now, group number two they had was an AMP group or an ampicillin group. And those are animals that were treated with five days of ampicillin. And in that group, there was 500 or excuse me, 259 animals. In the control group, there was 268. And in the final group, group three or the Ceftiaf here, the Ceft group, um, metritis animals were treated with a five-day regimen of ceftiafir, and that was um, 269 animals total. So this, the overall evaluation techniques were published by Lima in 2014, and then all the outputs were measured basically by the difference between the no-metritis cows and the treated cows in this original study. In the original study, Metritis was scored on a one to five scale using Sheldon's method that he described in a 2016 paper, excuse me, a 2006 paper that was titled Defining Postpartum Uterine Disease in Dairy Cattle. And this is published in the journal of Theriogenology. So if you want to look it up a little bit deeper, just search um, that journal and those particular, um, that particular article title and you can find some more information. But for your overall um, listening pleasure, uh, the scale was defined as this. A score one was a clear discharge from you know, vaginal discharge. A score two was a clear with some flecks of white in it. A score three was less than 50% of the discharge was characterized by white pus. A score four was greater than 50% of the discharge being white pus. And finally, a score five was classified as clinical metritis and had watery red to brown discharge with a foul smell. So now those were the original techniques they used to basically define metritis, and then they enrolled them into the different treatment protocols based upon that definition. So now as we move forward to this current study where they're looking at this stuff, at this data retrospectively, the additional parameters they looked at in this study were harvested files from DairyCon 305. And what they looked at is a couple different parameters. And the first parameters they looked at were income. So basically, there's only 
two different income streams when they're breaking this all down for you guys. Stream number one is milk production, basically followed out to 300 days of milk. And this was estimated by monthly test day data and then used to project production over the entire month. Monthly milk revenue from that milk production was then estimated based upon milk production and average pay price for that dairy during that time. The second income stream that they looked at was culling and cull value. Now, this value was determined by dollars generated per cull. And upon culling, the expense was then added into that scenario of what it would cost to replace an animal with a first lactation animal. Now, animals that failed to be culled by their 300-day in milk window were then valued at their quote-unquote residual value or how much they would be worth if sold at that point. So a culled animal gained you money from culling them, but you lost money from replacing them. So that's how they determined the value of culling within this individual study. Now, they also monitored expenses. So they monitored the waste milk expense, or basically the milk that was had to be dumped related to the metritis treatment or any secondary disease treatments that required a milk dump. And what they did is they did that based upon, again, monthly test day average and compiled value of that waste milk um, estimated at the, the current time and the current economic period for its value. They also looked at the expense of Expense of treating other diseases such as uh, DA or ketosis or other fresh cow diseases related to mastitis and things like that. Um, they also looked at the expense related to reproductive expenses such as um, pregnancy rate and over, overall average days open. So based on this, they used reproductive expenses um, related to drugs, technician service, and ultrasound examination. And they used 2014 cost estimates, which were about uh, $2.20 per dose of prostaglandin. $2.30 per dose of GnRH. Um, they valued labor at $10.80 per hour, estimated um, basically by the USDA estimates, I believe in 2010. And then they also estimated AI technician labor at about $16.20 per hour. And then the estimates that they thought could be done by these labor, um, whether it was a technician or a laborer, was 60 injections per hour, a 120 heat detections per hour, or 30 inseminations per hour. And then the final expense they looked at was that ultrasound was valued at about $100 per hour, and they figured they could do 50 pregs per hour. Semen usage was, evalu was valued at $6 per dose, um, and the supplies were about 50 cents per AI to get them bred. So that's encompassing the reproductive costs. Now, if we look at drug usage and veterinary costs for metritis, DA, and other diseases, they also enrolled those um, into the study. Again, like I talked about before, related to other health events. Feed costs were then also evaluated based upon NRC and um, any requirements for maintenance and overall milk production. And that was used to estimate um, dry matter intakes or what would be required for that milk production and maintenance. And then it was multiplied by the cost of dry matter per day um, for each cow based upon pen. Um, and also then they varied that when they added, tried to add a little bit of statistical power looking at the economic impact of the change in economic conditions. Now, labor costs were also assigned to each treatment. They're estimated to be about three minutes for injectable and four minutes for intermammary therapies. Again, they used a $10.80 per hour USDA number from 2014 um, for farm labor. And finally, any overall supply costs um, syringes, needles, those types of things were also integrated into those treatment costs for health events or other transition cow events. So at the end of this study, they also added a little bit of power to the study. Again, like I talked about before, 
by entering in additional variables into the model. And what they did to do this was they varied the economic conditions. And they did this in three, di in three different levels. So they did a low, a moderate, and a high level. So for milk prices, they did a low milk price, a moderate milk price, and a high milk price. Feed prices, they did the same thing, a low, a moderate, and a high. And then they also did modeling like this with labor costs being low, moderate, or high, and drug costs being low, moderate, or high. So basically, they added a little bit of power here to see if there'd be any relationship between increased milk price or decreased milk price and the cost of treatment, similarly for feed costs and all of those other things. This is a complex, complex interaction, and we'll discuss it a little bit later in the thoughts section and how it would impact how you approach treatment on your individual dairies. So the researchers had some really interesting results. Uh, the first of which was that metritis didn't lead to an increase in fresh cow DAs or respiratory disease, but it did increase the incidence of other diseases by 60 days in milk by about 9%. Interestingly, this was probably driven by ampicillin cows showing a statistically greater chance to contract mastitis than those who did not have metritis or those that were treated with septiofere. And this was almost a excuse me, 15% increase in incidence of mastitis in these animals. Now, metritis cows were also more likely to spend more days in the hospital pen than non-metritic cows, especially cows with ampicillin, who spent more than those um, that were treated with septifure. And this was a difference of approximately five days of total um, days in the hospital pen. Researchers also found, again, back up the information that we learned about in the introduction section, that metritic cows had no increased risk of cull versus no non-metritic cows. Interestingly, non-metritic cows had greater 21-day pregnancy rates than metritis cows, and they became pregnant 14 days sooner than ampicillin-treated cows and 21 days sooner than septifere cows. But Reproductive costs associated with this showed no statistical difference between non-metritic cows and cows with metritis. Now, if we look, start looking at feed intake and milk production, dry matter intake did not actually differ between non-metritic cows and metritic cows, but it did differ between ampicillin and septifure-treated cows. And this was due to the increased production requirements of the ampicillin cows. The ampicillin cows actually produced more milk than the septifere cows. However, let's just review what else they found here before we get to that topic. The total milk yield did not differ between non-metritis and metritis cattle by 300 days in milk, but ampicillin-treated cows did produce significantly more milk than septifere cows by about 1,200 pounds. And this was due to a 2.9-pound uh, per day increase over the septifere-treated cows. Now, when you add into that additional production, you need to take away the total milk withheld. So non-metritic cows averaged about 176 pounds withheld during a lactation. And then ampicillin-treated cows averaged about 561 pounds withheld during that lactation. And finally, septifere-based cows managed to lose or have about 194 pounds of milk withheld for that lactation. So that meant that the income from milk did not differ between non-metritic and metritic cows but the income minus feed cost was greater for non-metretic versus metretic cows. Now, the total therapeutic cost for the regime um, for treating disease in these animals was $29 for non-metretic cows, $88 for ampicillin-treated metretic cows, 
and $134 for safety of fear treated metritic cows. This led to a overall case, um, research case study of metritis cost being um, either $337 or $377, dependent upon whether discarded milk was wasted or if it was fed to calves. And the largest driver of this cost per case was the reduced milk income minus feed cost. Now, this cost increased as milk price increased, but decreased as feed price decreased, no matter the treatment. And this is a result of that milk income minus feed cost being the driving factor for the case cost. Finally, researchers found that increasing labor or drug costs or decreasing labor or drug costs had no effect on overall case costs. So what can we conclude from these results? Well, we can conclude that ampicillin cows made more milk but had more days in the hospital pen than ceftifur-treated cows, which resulted in more mastitis and less saleable milk over the treatment period. This in turn resulted in no difference, no statistical difference, in milk income after feed costs between the two treatment plans. Now, there was also no difference statistically between the cost of metritis cases. So if we were to discard the milk, ampicillin-based treatment, five days of ampicillin, would cost approximately $344 in this case, and ceftifur-based treatment would cost about $410 per case. Whereas if we kept the milk for calves, they found that an ampicillin treatment regime would cost about $267 versus $406 for a ceftifur treatment regime. Now, metritis case cost was primarily due to lost income after feed cost. And this was associated with about 40 to 57% of the overall economic loss for each case. Now, if we looked at the second or the second biggest cost factor um, per metritis case, and that, that was due to therapy treatment. So that was associated with 17 to 25% of overall cost of metritis case. Now, this only changed if milk was not fed to calves, and then the number two cost for a metritis case was actually the discarded milk, and then number three was the therapy cost. So as you can see, the big driving factor that they found in this research study was that the lost income after feed cost was the primary cost associated with metritis. So what do I think about this? What are my thoughts in this case? What are the author's thoughts? Now, this is pretty interesting. I think, interestingly, the previous study um, that provided this data for the current study found that about 20% of metritis cases actually required retreatment, um, regardless of the therapy shown. Again, they had the same 12-day cure rate, but 20% of those cases actually needed retreatment. Something to keep in mind um, when you're looking at some of your records on some of your dairies um, and looking to find ways in which maybe they're not um, retreating enough animals or they're retreating too many animals. So a good benchmark coming out of this study for you guys to use for future consulting. I think also um, discussions should be had about the detrimental effects of putting those fresh cow, fresh metritis cows um, in the hospital pen with chronically shedding or currently shedding mastitic cows. With a approximately 15% increase in the mastitis instance in those ampicillin cows, um, that's really showing that retention of maybe these treated cows in the actual fresh pen versus moving in the hospital pen may be a benefit if it can fit into the farm system and they have adequate um, training and knowledge within the actual parlor to allow that to happen. 
because if you can reduce that, then maybe financially it would become more feasible to use ampicillin over a septifere product. But that would be another study that would have to be done. So one huge um, but kind of key reason I think that statistical significance was not achieved in this study uh, was the large standard deviation in metritis case cost. Now, many metritis animals might present as a singular health event, but then they can be treated and resolved. However, other ones might present with concurrent or subsequent other diseases, such as um, ketosis, DAs, mastitis, those kinds of things, which cause a large variation in overall case cost. And I think this is part of the reason um, it's important not only to consider treatment costs when evaluating disease, but the overall context of the entire animal. Also, interestingly, the herd um, had no difference in call rates from metritis or non-metritic animals, but they did find that cows that left the herd by 300 days in milk had smaller residual cow values than those remaining by an average of about $102. And this is a really interesting fact that I think would go unnoticed a lot of times um, that might help solidify an argument to justify cutting DAs um, over culling them due to the continuous cash flow you're going to get for that entire lactation, as well as the increased overall residual value. So now, instead of culling an animal for a reduced value, whether and that's obviously going to be even more reduced as you get closer to that freshening date, um, but as you get further out in days in milk, obviously culling that animal is less advantageous than to retain them. So if you're going to cut that DA and you're trying to convince your producer, you can say, if she's retained 300 days in milk, she'll be worth at least $100 more. Plus, you don't have to actually replace her over that period of time. And you get that cash flow or that income coming in from her through that continuous time frame. So interesting thing that you can add to a conversation or maybe into the back of your mind as you think about the data coming out of this article. Now, obviously, uh, income after feed costs is the driving factor for metritis case, not the treatment costs. They've established this um, in the results and the conclusions of this article. And it's important to note that treatment costs only account for about 22 to 25% of the overall disease cost for metritis versus that income after feed cost, which is contributing to about 40 to 56 57% of the actual case costs. And it's for this reason um, when milk price is suppressed or feed costs are elevated, ampicillin might actually prove to be a better margin than septifere due to that increased income or feed cost having less impact on its case cost. So if you know what I mean here is as your milk price comes down, that reduces your overall income you're generating from that cow. Or as your feed prices increase and milk prices stagnant, your overall income after feed cost is reduced as well. As that contribution is reduced to the overall case cost for metritis, ampicillin might come out statistically ahead of ceftiafir in these cases. It's just an important thing to keep in mind as we look at the fluctuating dairy economy and as margins shrink. Um, it wasn't found to be statistically significant, but the difference in contribution between these two, two treatment plans is important to note as well. Now, given that milk price has a higher effect than feed costs in the study, um, the most expensive treatment scenarios was when milk price was high and feed price was low and milk was discarded. The least expensive total treatment cost was when milk price was low, feed price was high, and waste milk was fed to calves. And this is because the non-metritic cows made more milk and therefore 
more income per pound of milk and high milk price. But when milk price is low and feed price is high, those same cows made less overall income and had greater feed intakes to support their higher milk production. Very interesting scenario, very interesting set of facts to keep in mind as you're thinking your way through the treatment costs of metritis. It's also interesting to note that ampicillin cows produced more milk than septifer cows. Now, the author proposes that ampicillin cows actually cure the disease faster than septifer cows on average from the beginning, from that day five, day seven versus day 12 cure rate. And this might actual, actually reduce overall inflammatory processes. Now, if we think about this back to our meloxicam pre-calving article, um, those inflammatory processes are associated with mammary epithelial apoptosis. So perhaps the faster cure you're getting from ampicillin is reducing the overall um, inflammatory process and increasing overall milk production. There's um, potentially some biology there that might support that, but also something to keep in mind um, from a, uh, again, a biology standpoint. Now, finally, interestingly, and um, these are my own thoughts, given treatment costs as well as some minor assumptions, let's say on my part, uh, this research may suggest that cattle with less problems could be more profitable on ampicillin and ceftifir if you're treating them just for metritis. And this could be because um, baseline disease cost is less and they would in theory produce more milk over time. If you assume that they have a low likelihood for additional disease, if they have good rumen fill, moderate to no temperature, no DA, no mastitis, et cetera, then their standard deviation for treatment would be less likely or less likely to be high potentially yielding more statistical power and um, more significant treatment effect versus lost income effect. It would be interesting to see the author speak about or break out this data into cattle affected maybe with singular um, versus double or even three or more fresh cow disease factors and see how those cohorts actually fared and to look at um, that kind of a breakout to determine maybe subpopulations of animals that would benefit economically more from ampicillin versus ceftiofir. Something that I think would be interesting to see. I'm, I don't know if we'll ever see it, but uh, definitely something to consider. and Definitely something I'm going to keep in mind as I go forward um, looking at uh, metritis cows and transition cows in general. Now, the last thing I want to note is that while I really appreciate industry funding, I think it'd be remiss of me if I didn't um, include the fact that the original research, the 2014 study that this data was based off of, this research was based off of, was funded in part by Berner Ingelheim. Um, I think it's important that you guys know that. Obviously, um, uh, this should be peer reviewed and, and it should be relatively um, in level or um, you know very straightforward. But it's important that you guys know who's funded the research as well. So I'd like to thank you guys for for uh, joining me today. Uh, very interesting article. Um, after all that said and done, you know, to, to tell you guys uh, they look about the same, you know, that it would be nice to have, yes, use this one or this one. But I think that now you have a better idea of what's driving the actual costs associated with the case of metritis. And maybe you have a better idea how you can impact those overall costs. And you can have a more knowledgeable discussion with your producers when you're discussing, discussing which individual treatment intervention to use on those on your dairies. So thanks again for joining me today, OTRs, and carry on. Join me for the next episode next week. 
If you like this content and want more, you can stop by the Operators Owners website at otovets.com. There you can sign up for our community at otovets.com forward slash Facebook. You can also consume some of our original content at the blog at otovets.com forward slash blog. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll catch you next time, OTRs.